I'm Stephen Adams. This is Down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what is up? Today is day 11, Andrew. 11 days, and I'll go to Sicily. So I'm oh. looking forward to that. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to think. We're all being 11 days just in Oklahoma City. So... <laughs> <laughs> not quite as cool <laughs> oh man but i do my kids i have two kids that are celebrating birthdays this next weekend so oh wow i do have that to look forward to uh something that i did not particularly enjoy was the russell westbrook press conference on friday this was, this was after the friday podcast uh russell westbrook was introduced as a member of the houston rockets and it was the worst. <laughs> Dude, it it is it's just feels kind of slimy, just kind of gross to hear Daryl Morey talk about how well, you know, when you pair two oh, we got a little uh little clock tower bell. Yes. That's good. It's an outdoor pod today. Yes. <laughs> uh but it just felt a little slimy, a little weird to hear Daryl Morey talk about how Getting two MVPs on on one team is, you know, usually results in a good thing. Look at Golden State, all this stuff, and you're just like, come on, man! Like you've been refuting his MVP for the last several years. It's just it it just was weird. And then Russell talking about how he only cares about one team. That's the Houston Rockets. I don't know, man. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I mean it's. It's understandable. I mean, Russ was the was the player in, in Oklahoma, and seeing him with that jersey, I think it's like maybe if you if you have to say the top three jerseys in which you hate to see Russell Westbrook, Houston comes second, I think. Um, and so there is reasons to hate this, and and yeah, I mean, I can I can I can't say that I enjoyed it. I. Probably in two months, we will not care about that, or three months, I don't know. Uh, or maybe, I don't know, they they can be good. The issue is the, is this one. Like, with, with Russ and Harden at their best, they can be good. And this is uh, something that probably will sting a lot more for OKC than this press conference. Um, because, and this is something that I don't, I know that you don't want to discuss, but they will do it anyway. Like, Paul George had the best season of his life playing alongside Russell Westbrook in as the primary scorer. Mm-hmm. And I think that James Harden has the possibility to do the same. Like, there's a lot of talking about how, like, playing Russell Westbrook with the ball in his hands with Harden is pointless. I don't think that. Like, I think that if you can give Harden better shots when he doesn't handle the ball and you can give him the same shots when Russ sits, I think you can build a pretty solid team. Uh, that said, the defensive side is what interests me, and also the balance between other players like Eric Gordon. Like, um, I don't know how many shots they will get because Russ, 
like it's not CP3. He will not take 12 shots or mm-hmm. 13. And that balance is something that really interests me from a standpoint that if they are both mature and they can make it work, it's interesting. But back to the hate part, yeah, I mean, it's it was kind of gross to see him with the, uh, with the number zero jersey, like red, black. I don't know. I mean, it's it's... It's something that you're not prepared uh, watching clearly. Yeah, it's just so weird. It's just weird to yeah. watch. It, it was weird. Everything about it was weird. Uh, but, you know, life goes on. Now we have SGA and we have Chris Paul on this team. Uh, I, I was I, I heard a podcast. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Jonathan Shark said that. In this last draft, in this year's draft, if SGA was in it, he would have picked been picked number two. And yeah, I mean, like ha- after watching him play one season, I would say the same. Yeah, and I think that's just like an interesting way to frame it. And I kind of went back and looked at the draft that he was in, and I think that he would have probably gone in like a redraft, maybe sixth. Um, yeah. Maybe a little bit higher, depending on you know what Who's people drafting? think of yeah. Marvin Bagley, or maybe DeAndre Ayton falls even you know further, and he's like the fifth pick or something like that. But uh, I think framing it in that way makes it kind of inter- a little bit more interesting because people are just all about getting these high picks, and if you can say that you know in this last draft it'd be like getting the second pick in the draft, that that maybe can frame. SGA's talent level in a different way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's true. And um, I think that Shea has the talent to be a top 10 pick for sure, probably in most of the drafts. And and also the fact that he went to a stuck Kentucky team in terms of um, guys who needed the ball in their hands, like Hamidou Diallo, Kevin Knox were players that needed to have the ball in in their hands to yeah. play. Uh, wasn't something that really favored him in the, in the evaluation because the first few months were rough. I mean, and <clears throat> so if you, if you take his last, I don't know, 10, 20 games at Kentucky, he could have argued last season already that he may be better than guys that were taken ahead of him already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You probably don't take him ahead of Bagley or Doncic or or Trey Young, but you can argue that he's better than Mobamba. Yes. And so, I mean, I can definitely see him uh, in the if you, if you rank the rookies of that of that year right now, you probably see him toe-and-toe with Aiton and Jaron Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know that big men are most coveted in, in the early rankings because if you have a really, really talented big man who can do multiple things on the court and playing good defense, then you probably overvalue him in the draft process and even in the years, um, in the first years of their NBA career. And so maybe you put both ahead of him, but it's still like number six in a very, very stuck rookie class. Like... If you have to redraft uh, and put Shea in this one, you're right. I mean, I, I'm probably taking him before Ja Morant, even if Ja has a better shot than him, probably. You think Ja has a better shot than SGA? Yeah, yeah. It's more natural. The pull-up from three 
is there, not in terms of percentage, but in terms of will- willingness to take it. Yeah. Um, it's a quicker and, release for sure. Yes, yes. And probably is a, is a better... Uh, he uses his athleticism better when it comes to shots, whereas Shea, he is, as Brad said in uh, the podcast that we recorded last week, is better at changing speed. Mm-hmm. And so he uses his athleticism in in that being shifty and being able to accelerate in the with the second step so it's yeah i think the, the shot looks better uh and chase one moran's one but i think that shea has the opportunity to be a good shooter i mean the pull up from 20 feet to, from, from 10 to 15 feet is very good like mm-hmm. it's on balance he can hesitate on that so there is reasons there are reasons to trust the development of a real pull-up and it's also the thing that separates him from being a very good point guard and a superstar like because if he puts the three-point pull-up in his arsenal which is something that he didn't do last season then it, it changes the way you think about him as a player because you have to you cannot play drop coverage in pick and rolls, you cannot leave him alone. You you cannot give him space while he dribbles. So there are a tons of things that actually change when you when you are a real pull up threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Uh, let's talk about Chris Paul. Chris Another Paul, pull up threat. An- <laughs> so we just come to kind of a funny place with Chris Paul. Uh, one, like I feel like he's a He's a really easy player to hate uh, mm-hmm. because of the way that he's acted in the past. Because the Thunder have played him on, you know, two teams that I don't think the fan base has particularly liked in that Clippers team and the Rockets team. Uh, but now he's going to wear a Thunder uniform, and I think the question is, how good is he? Because the Thunder have come to a point where they couldn't trade him. And I think that that's, you know, Sam Presti had his press conference. I think part of holding the press conference was to uh, clap back at Paul George and let him know, hey, this was not a mutual thing. And then second, I think it was, okay, we have tried and, you know, looked under every single rock and there is not a good Chris Paul trade for the future of the Thunder today. And we're going to go ahead and move on, and he's going to play, and we're going to see you know, what he's got. And I think Chris Paul is probably better than what people imagine. His contract, he's not going to live up to that contract, but he's going to be a good player. I think people might be even a little bit surprised as to how good he is. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that, and... Over the last few days, I'm trying to watch as much Clippers basketball and Rockets basketball as possible to be ready for a little project that we have in common that we will not share until it's done. And to just have a better grasp of what Chris Paul and Shea are. And maybe we will talk about like a, a little bit more about Shea later. But back to Chris Paul. I mean, I have concerns about his playoff resume i always had like you can say that there are many times in in his career and the most vivid uh, remember uh, like memory that that i have is against utah i think it was like three years ago 
the last season uh, of his Clippers tenure, where he basically played the entire fourth quarter or the, the last six minutes of the fourth quarter when in game seven, when they, when, the, when they could win the game and advance to the next round. And he basically was the, like, it was, wasn't doing anything. It was just leaving the ball to someone else and park himself in the corner and watch and watch the defeat of his team um, like happen, happening. And, and that was really something that in Chris Paul's career happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened uh, with, against OKC and other times, like against the Rockets the year before. So you can see those moments in the playoffs where two winners probably approach the game in a different way. And I don't know if, like, if it, like I don't want to say that Chris Paul is a loser because it's not the case. But let's phrase it this way: there are players that will not play like that when it's win or go home. And so that part concerns me. But if you look at the next season, it doesn't have basically anything to do with what needs to happen, because Chris Paul is a good to great regular season player if he plays. 50, 55, 60 games. Mm-hmm. If he plays 70 games, it's a superstar. Like last season, he left, like he left for like I think 20 days because of an, 20 games because because of, an, uh, of a hamstring injury. But for the rest, he was incredibly solid. And remember, you have James Harden who wants to win the MVP again, who has. Be- probably one of the best offensive seasons ever in the NBA. And Chris Paul decided to, to take less shots, mm-hmm. but it wasn't bad. He was like a 37% shooter, uh, 50% from two, 90% from the line, uh, eight assists, five rebounds, playing good defense. The on-off with him are great. Like if you take the last two years, he had amazing ratings while playing without James Harden. I texted you and Jay, it's like plus 12 with him on the court and James Harden off the court, which is insane. Mm. Like, it's really insane. And so I think that you have to take into account the injuries. But if you manage him better, if you rest him more, and, and you have two, point, two other point guards that can play instead of him, then maybe you can get to February where he played... 30 games, 31 games, good ones. And so if you're a team that has a season that's not going as it's supposed to, and you see that Chris Paul is putting like 20 plus 8 plus 5, what are you doing? I think you make a call. And maybe you surrender something. Maybe not something great. And if it's not great, OKC can decide to move on regardless and say well i want to really bottom out because it's a good year to do so or we kick him okc keeps him and tries to make a run because i think that there is a huge value in giving younger guys a true playoff experience yeah and i've kind of posed this question on twitter matt moorhead yeah. was talking about the thunder and how when they trade chris paul like they're win total could drop by 10 and I think that there's to me the part that wants to be competitive next season is let's compete the beginning of the season and then let's find landing spots for Gallo and Chris Paul 
because I do think that it's I, I understand like getting playoff experience is important. You could also argue that everybody but the rookies, ha, you know, had it last year and were yeah. like a part of a playoff team. Yeah, I think that it's more important to try to get a higher pick. That doesn't mean you have to bottom out. That doesn't mean that you have to have have like 19 wins. I think you could win. This team will probably win around 30, 35 games would be my guess, depending on how long Chris Paul is on the team. Uh, Because I think Chris Paul is going to make some guys better. I think Steven Adams makes a ton of sense next to Chris Paul in a lot of ways. One, Chris Paul can shoot it, and you have to guard it. Yeah, and that's a huge deal for Stephen Adams, and especially in the past, you know, year, year and a half with Russell Westbrook, and you know, it really hurt Stephen Adams that people didn't guard Russell Westbrook. Oh yeah, he has no space, no space whatsoever. And with Chris Paul, that's just going to be different. And it doesn't mean that Chris Paul is better than Russell Westbrook. I mean, that's they're just different, is what it comes down to. They're different players; they play differently. And, you know, Steven's going to have a chance to shine during this during this season, too. Not only in the scoring department, because I think that it's going to be a little bit easier uh, for him to score around the basket with a point guard that can shoot it, um, but also in the rebounding department. Because Steven is a great rebounder. And yeah. playing next to Russell Westbrook, who is the best rebounding guard of all time, like, yeah, you're not going to get as many rebounds. And I think that you could see Steven Adams, you know, averaging, you know, 14 points and 13 rebounds or something like that this season. I know that number wouldn't shock me. Uh, and so I think, I think that as far as competing and trying to make the playoffs, I think it's going to be too difficult to actually make the playoffs. Like everything has to go right. I think that you probably have to keep Gallinari to make the playoffs, don't you think? Yeah. And I just don't I just don't think that's going to happen. I just do not I cannot envision a world where Danilo Gallinari is on the Thunder in March. Let me try to tease you with some some thoughts that maybe maybe are relevant, maybe are not okay so would you rather have a picks a pick like in the 20s maybe late 20s this season mm-hmm. or a real chance to compete you're talking like 25 and, and higher like maybe the spurs can offer you something for gallo but yeah. only if they are winning so it will be like middle seat in the west so around the, the peak around number 20 is it is it that valuable to have? I mean, it, a, real, it is. a real chance to compete for what? For a playoff spot. I'd rather have I, the pick. I'm not. I'm not convinced. Yeah, I mean, okay, okay. Uh, m- maybe you are right. Um, and I also have something to say about like Stephen rebounding. I think that Donovan wants to have the ball in some handler. Like either Gallinari or Shea or Paul, as soon as possible. Sure. So I don't think he will get that many rebounds more than last season because of that. Gallo is a good rebounder and he really likes to grab and go, and it's kind of effective yeah. uh, in transition. 
I was watching a game this morning, uh, early this morning. Um, it was March 17, Brooklyn at Clippers. And in quarter number two, you have the full Gallo experience. He was engaged in defense. He was running the floor like hell. He was taking shots, ill-advised shots, and making them. He basically made, with him, by him and, and, and Harold, they made like a 30 to 10 run against Brooklyn. And he was also handling, passing. Like, if you have a player like that, you really want to give him the ball. And mm-hmm. back to that, like, if they offer you a future pick, like something that can be a lottery pick, in 2022 2023 sign me up but next year when you know that you will probably have too many assets to develop and and maybe playing and having a good playoff run with chris paul as your point guard you can extract value, more value from chris and getting less for gallo or nothing because you can still sign and trade him somewhere since the next free agency is so weak that maybe someone will be will will be happy to sign and trade you for Gallinari because Gallinari makes sense in a contender. So my point is, if you can show the world that Gallinari and Chris Paul are great players still, that you have to pay to get, you may want to play that card. The, the downside, the real downside, it's not losing uh, like a late first rounder to me, the downside is what happens if in game two of the playoffs one or the other gets hurt. Mm-hmm. That That is the risk to me, the real risk. Because, I mean, a late pick, sure, it's handy, but it doesn't probably change the outcome of OKC. It can be because, I mean, it always can be. But um, you are if you're in the playoffs, you are already picking in that range yourself. So if you have... A player that you really like, you can get him. And so, but but the downside of getting nothing for Chris Paul, it's it's a huge one. So if you can get a good trade around February where you get assets, then you go for it. If not, and you can get assets just for Gallo, maybe I'll hold. Yeah, and see. I mean, I think it's certainly more likely that the Thunder go into the summer with Chris Paul. I just don't. I would be shocked if Gallinari made it past the trade deadline. I just think that he's a guy that he's an expiring contract. He has tremendous value. I mean, tremendous. He's going to bring back at least a first-round pick from a team, if not maybe a young player. I mean, some something will happen with Gallo. I just would be really surprised if this team was like, okay, let's let's go for it because – what are they're going to try to make the seven eighth seed, right? I don't know. I I, I I'm really struggling right now because I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, yes, 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 yes. Hear me out. Okay, hear me out. okay. I'll hear so, you out. Name the, the the starting five of the Clippers, please, of last season. Uh, it was uh, Patrick Beverly. Yes. Shea. Yes. Gallinari. Yes. Harrell. No, Zubat. But Zubat. Anyway, Zubat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Zubat and, and Garrett Temple. And Garrett Temple. Ugh. Okay. It's like put now Chris Paul instead of Patrick Beverly, who had like some injury issues. Yeah. And now put a real center, not like a cartoon figure, instead of Zubat <laughs> in Zubat. 
And now you have a better shooter <laughs> yeah. in Ferguson than Garrett Temple, which, as you may know, I kind of hate as a player. Yeah. And then, so the real difference between the Clippers of last season and, like, the second half of the season Clippers and this year Thunder is that they have a better point guard mm-hmm. and they don't have Lou Williams. Yeah. Like, and okay, Harrell is better than Noel. But the rest of the Clippers is nothing, was nothing, really nothing. And so I, I'm questioning myself. Like, if Chris Paul has a good season and Gallinari has a good season and Steven, we are all saying, yeah, we'll be better. Shea is one year older. Ferguson had a good development. Like, is it so... Like, what if they win 46? Why don't we just it's, it's, bump that up to 47 so I can just laugh myself to sleep? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm too excited. <laughs> no, I mean... I, I mean, I, like, I it would see. be hilarious if, like, they won 47 or 48 games just like that Thunder team did with Chris or with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. And, like, we were so pumped and we thought they'd win, like, 55, 56 games. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that would be just really funny and then we get this team and they come in and you're like yeah no expectations and it's like oh they won the same amount as yeah, that team i mean i'm not saying that this will happen but yeah. if you look at the numbers like look at the numbers of chris paul without james harden we are talking in two seasons three thousands possessions not like 300 three thousands and the the net rating was plus 12 if mm-hmm. you have a plus 12 net rating when chris paul is on the court for 30 games before All-Star break and you have like really plus 12, you're a winning franchise and buy a lot. Like it's not like last season, Russell Westbrook by himself had plus five. Mm -hmm. So we're talking seven more. And you can argue that Chris Paul played with Eric Gordon. Nice. But also Daniel House. And yes, P.J. Tucker was a good player. But like, I mean, it's... I mean, Russ played with Paul George and Stephen Adams. I mean, it's not and like they didn't have they didn't have as good as a net rating as Chris Paul by himself. Right. So, I think that the the main question is how many games does Chris Paul play before All Star break? If it's above 30, 32, I think that people will will be surprised about the record of OKC. Yeah, I think. The West is just really difficult in in that there's just so many good teams. Like do you like tell me tell me a team you think the Thunder will be better than in the regular season. Uh better or chance to be in the same ballpark? Same to chance to be in the same ballpark. San Antonio, Portland, uh Portland, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm not entirely sold on their the fact that they have Whiteside as a center. Okay. Then uh, let me think. I, I, I really see... Well, when when does Paul George come back? Fully I've I've been saying December. I've been saying December. I don't know. Then, then for two months, I think that OKC has a legit chance to be slightly less than the Clippers. Maybe a bit less. Yeah. Two, three wins less. Like, I don't know. I see the Rockets being better yeah. if everything works. Denver, I Utah, the, Houston. Denver, Utah, Houston, and Golden State are clearly better. Yeah. The others, I think they, you have a puncher chance. Lakers? 
They're gonna. The Lakers know. are gonna be better. Like, come on. Yes, five teams. Yes. So we are talking bottom playoff race. Yes. Yeah. And so I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm stupid. Maybe uh, I didn't do the math correctly, and maybe it's really 35 wins. I have yet to see a team where Chris Paul plays a good amount of game losing in the regular season. The playoffs, it's a different story. So I think there's six teams that will for sure make the playoffs. Denver, Golden State, Houston, Clippers, Lakers, Utah. Yeah. And so that means San Antonio, Sacramento, Portland. I'm I'm like ready to put Portland in just because I've doubted them in the okay. past and I've looked like a big big dummy yeah so we're talking one spot for okc sacramento san antonio dallas new orleans yeah yeah that's where i'm just like trade gallo (laughs) find a spot for somebody else (laughs) find a spot for for chris paul find you know if you can you know find something of value for andre if he looks great cool like let's let's get this show on the road. I don't know. I mean, y- you can be hundred percent right. I mean, I can be two thousand percent wrong. But I mean, I really checked the number over the last few days, few weeks, and I mean, they tell a different story. Maybe yeah. why? Why are we all assume that Russell Westbrook would be extremely better than last season? We always did when he was with the Thunder. Yeah. Like we saw a fluky season, say, "Well, that's a fluky season." Two seasons in a row, well, that's two fluky seasons. Mm-hmm. Now that's in the Rockets, and we are maybe maybe a little bit less involved, we can say, "Well, he hasn't been great." Yeah. Like the on-off rating of the last season were not good, really not good. Mm-hmm. While Chris Paul ones were insane. So I get that there is the the health part. But I don't know. There is a hope. Maybe this you try to win. If this team clicks, what are, what are you doing in Jan, in February? Say that they are really good, unexpectedly. That can happen. Stephen Adams can be can have a good, a good season, and Chris Paul and Gallinari can be healthy. What happens then? I think that that sets you up to make a good trade. Yeah, maybe so. I think to me that. That's the goal in be trying to be good. Like some people, like I had many people respond to me, like, "Why would this franchise try to be good this year?" I think the only reason to to me, and, may, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do. Maybe they would want to make a playoff push and see if they can can do something. But to me, the reason to try to be good is because if you're really bad, you don't. You're not getting anything for Chris Paul. If you're bad, yeah. you're not getting anything for Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, those guys you get are two not disgruntled stars that wants to leave. That that you that's that's what you got. That's right, what you get. right. You want and to try to win. Yeah, you yes. want to try to win for the the first part of the season. You just do, and the reason is that's how you build the trade value of a Chris Paul, where it's can be higher than it is now, and the same with Gallinari. You you get those guys, you build up their trade value, you make a, you know you make a team, a playoff team in the West or a playoff team in the East. Think like these these guys could help push us over the edge. These guys could take us where we want to go, and that's when you strike a deal. And with what I said about all these teams, like San Antonio, uh, 
you know, Sacramento, all like those teams want to make the playoffs. Portland wants probably wants to be more solidified than they are. They probably think of themselves in that first group, but I think that many would probably say that they're not quite there. You know, you add mm-hmm. Gallinari to that team, like a healthy Danilo Gallinari to that team, and they're dangerous. Like that's a really yeah. dangerous team. Uh, same with San Antonio. You add him to that team with Lamarcus Aldridge and Derek White and Dejounte Murray and Demar Derozan. I know that doesn't sound like completely appetizing, but that team is going to win a lot of games. And then, like, I question why is that? Is their pick so enticing to you? And that's my like. If it's Portland and they give you use. Afrani Simmons, Simons, uh, then yeah, we're talking. Yeah. But if like a late pick of 2020, I'm not that interested. Yeah. I asked for 2022 like, is what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a scenario. Um, I just want to be optimist for, yeah, for August at least and see. Because again, I I really think that if this team clicks, you have many options. Yeah, like you don't have to rebuild. You you don't have to, especially if you have some sort of commitment. Like say that these guys that just want LA or big cities, big markets say, well, you know what? Maybe we have something here, and maybe in February someone in DC calls you and say, well, how many can you give me for him? What do you do then? Do you have you have the assets to make a trade? I I know that it's it's weird to like let Paul George and Westbrook go and find yourself with Beal and CP3, but say that things are working in a certain way. Is it so stupid to try? Here's I don't think it's stupid, but I don't think it would happen because I think the Thunder are looking for a way to make another ten year run, and I think that that. How how big is the window with that? Like three years, two years? Like it's not very big. That's why I think that they're will trade Gallo and they will look to trade Chris Paul because they're looking for a way to make another decade long run and not a blip on the radar. I think that they want to have the sustained success that Sam always talks about and. Yeah, that's, it would surprise that's, me if this is the type of run that they would try to make. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 trying to to just show like some possibilities that I think OKC has, and I don't think that going to a rebuild next season is the only one. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, I think that you have more than that, and you will have assets until 2026. Yeah, if you start if you start a rebuild in two years, even. By having half of the pick that you have, the good ones, I don't think I really don't think that you are in a bad spot. No way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there's more than one way to do this, and completely yeah. tanking and throwing everything away is not. I don't think they're going to do that like completely because they're. I think that they would like to have Stephen Adams hang around. I think that they would like, you know, even Andre. I think that the team loves Andre so much that. He comes up, he's an expiring contract, but, you know, if they could get him for three years, 15 million, 
you know, I think they would probably do that. If he can play at a decent level, I think that that's something that they would like to do. And so, uh, I, a lot of, there's a lot of strange speculation about Andre Robertson and what his future's like. I'm not going to be one that's going to say that he's going to be great, he's going to be this, he's going to be that. It's definitely wait and see. But if he can play, mm-hmm. like, he's a valuable player. Andre is still a valuable player if he can come on the court and he can be any semblance of what he was before, even though he can't shoot. And he's yeah. a guy... The Thunder aren't going to do what the Sixers did because they didn't even do that whenever you know the Thunder did their first rebuild. They kept uh, Nick Collison around as a veteran, as a leader. Uh, they, they didn't just completely bottom out. They saw guys that were good for their culture, and they said, hey, we want you to stay. We're going to take care of you. We just need you to help us not completely go all the way to the bottom. And yeah, they, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean there are different ways to to say tank, or to get like to get a good pick. I mean, Philadelphia was trying to using roster construction to be as bad as possible while not playing competitive basketball. Like they were playing Casper Ware, right? Which is okay <laughs> in Italy or Australia, not in the NBA. Brooklyn instead, they they managed things really differently when Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson took the job. Like they were not good, but they were playing a very good brand of basketball with players that make sense on the court. Just players that weren't that good. And then you lose games. But you don't lose game because you're trying to. You lose game because your personnel is not good enough to what you're trying to do. But then teams, around, like players around the league, see what they are doing. And, yeah. and it's different. Like, you can be bad. You can be maybe bottom 10 bad, like they did when the Cavs picked Sexton with their picks, with their pick. And still, you can be a good team in, sense, in the sense of what you're trying to put in the court. And so I think that OKC will go that route instead of... Because, because they have good players. You have Shea. You cannot put like players that doesn't like work with Shea alongside him. Mm-hmm. You want to put him in the best position to succeed. And if he does, like the Aaron Fox just did in Sacramento last season, then you're better than what you expect. So what? Like yeah. and 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 this goes back to if the West is really stuck, then maybe it may, it makes sense to to tank this season, like to to play without Chris Paul, without Gallo season and and lose as many games as possible but if you do it by february you may you may have like 20 games by february and then yeah. what <laughs> well maybe you finish with 23 that that can happen but i mean it's um it's tough to to shift in the middle of the season because you build habits and even if even without chris paul you don't you're not really bottom out mm-hmm. but anyway yeah you know what everybody should do that's be getting married? You should call Peyton Marie Photography. You can go to her Instagram at Peyton Marie Photo. Her website is PeytonMarie.com. Peyton is an Oklahoma-based wedding photographer. Her main goal is to capture authentic emotion and unforgettable moments through bold and creative images. Just go check out her Instagram or her website. It's really great stuff. She's a really great wedding photographer. 
Uh, her style is non-traditional, genuine, and a bit out of the box. She believes your photos should be a true reflection of who you are and that your wedding photos shouldn't be like anyone else's. Uh, she's based in Oklahoma City, but she will travel anywhere to get your photos. So, uh, McKelly, if you have a, uh, a friend that's getting married, you need to recommend Peyton Marie Photography because she will even travel to Italy. And Oh, wow. For listeners to Down to Dunk, you can get a special offer of 10% off if you just mention that you got your uh, that you got this recommendation from Down to Dunk. So go to PeytonMarie.com, at PeytonMariePhoto on Instagram. Check them out. If you're getting married soon, uh, this is a great, great opportunity for you to get great photos. You really, I mean, I, my wife and I celebrated 10 years this year, and we went back and looked at our our photos and it's so important to make sure that you have a good photographer and Peyton Marie is one that I would recommend and you get 10% off that 10% off. That's not nothing. That's a big deal. So, uh, support the people that support down to dunk and go to Peyton or at Peyton Marie photo on Instagram. Okay. I have to tell you a story now okay. about wedding and photos. So I was very young when I married and I was basically broke, like not, not, huge money and so there was a really good friend of mine that tell, that told me you know Michele I can I can make the photos to your wedding and he had like a pro camera I saw his work he was very very good and then he got drunk by the first course <laughs> no. and so I have a very good picture until the first course and then <laughs> I have nothing else so it's really important to get a great professional photographer for your wedding otherwise your wife will basically remind you that because you choose the photographer and it will, she will remind you for the rest of your life that he, it's your fault that you don't have photos after the first course. <laughs> it's a true story. Oh, man, that's a great story. And don't be McKelle. Don't let your friend do it. Hire a professional, please. I beg of you. It'll be worth it. Um, McKelle... <laughs> I just, I find your idea so interesting. So, by interesting, you mean stupid? Well, I just, I just think that it's, it's just very counter to what most people think about when you think about a rebuild. And I think, I, I actually think that there's a large portion of people that would prefer to do it. You think, and try to compete this year, um, and try to win, and try to maybe even trade for pieces that are out there. I think a lot of people have a hard time conceptualizing what the rebuild will look like and a hard time understanding that like the best player on the next Thunder team is probably in high school right now or maybe even middle school right now. Like that could yeah. that could be a thing. And that's really hard to conceptualize because I've had people uh shoot me DMs or, you know, send me links to to trade machines where it's like, hey, the Thunder should trade all their picks for Towns and Devin Booker. That's like, nah. I don't just don't why? know where that team is going. Like, where is that team going? Like, yeah, those are two Nowhere. good young players. Yeah, I don't think they're going anywhere either. Two good young players that could be available. Cool, but that team's not winning a championship. I promise you that. And that's no. where I think people have a hard time conceptualizing like the value of the picks that we have and what they could possibly be. 
because if you're just like all you see is what's in front of you and that's the players that are currently in the NBA, uh, it's probably difficult to put a championship team together with just trading those picks today. Now down the road, you just don't know like what becomes available, what what's going to happen. But uh, to me, I think playing the long game, trying to get high picks, and that's where like those flattened lottery odds do make a difference for the Thunder, and that you don't yeah. have to be the worst team in the league, you know, because yeah. if you're, I mean, the top three teams in this last lottery, New York, Cleveland, Phoenix. You know, New York ended up with this with the third pick in the draft. They had they had the worst record, uh, but they still only had a fourteen percent chance. <laughs> you you lose all those games, and you just yeah. you think that you're getting Zion, and it's all this false hope because the chances are fourteen percent. Yeah, I mean, if I told yeah. you that, like, oh man, you have a fourteen percent chance of like getting really sick if you eat that sandwich, you're like, man, that's that's not too bad. That, that sucks. means eighty six. Eighty-six yeah. percent chance that I don't get sick, <laughs> you know. Eighty-six yeah. percent chance that you don't get the number one pick, you know. Yeah. And yeah. that fourteen percent goes for the first three teams. If you're the yeah. fourth worst team, you get twelve point five. Then it's ten point five. Then nine six six six. So I mean, like yeah. the the chances are low of you getting the first pick, anyways. Yeah. And now that they have they draw for four teams in the lottery. They used to just draw for three, and then everybody else just fell into place. They draw for four now, which is great. It gives you like one more bite at the apple. But it also, if you're one of those teams that's at the top and you don't get chosen, you fall further. Yeah. And it hurts more. And you end up yeah. being Phoenix, and you're like, what are we doing? And then you end up taking Cam Johnson after being the team that lost the third most games in the league. Like you get Cameron Johnson, wow! Like yeah, who may be the best shooter in the draft? Who knows? Maybe he will score thirty and play defense, and I'll find myself tomorrow completely blue. I don't know. That's not no, no. That will not happen, Michele. That is not going to be a thing. Like they had <laughs> yeah, such that, a bad that, summer. They have had such a bad that, summer that I don't believe. But I mean, to to say another thing about the long game, we always think about getting value in terms of picks and in terms of well we are trading the players now and and it's like it's a good thing like again it's it's nothing bad but remember what okc did with oladipo with sabonis yeah. with chris paul with um sorry paul george yeah i mean the fact that pg had an mvp caliber season it's the reason why you have these picks now. And you traded for him with one year left on the contract. You were able to extract value for, from him. So the fact of getting Bradley Beal, say, in February, you make a run with him, maybe things work, things work, work out, and you find yourself in a round of the playoff, a good one. I don't know where. Maybe you give it another shot and you have a clean slate the year after because Steven Adams will be expiring. Chris, uh, Chris Paul will have just one year and Bill is expiring. So it's a two, two year windows uh, window. And, and then you have completely clean cap sheet. No one in your books except for SGA and Terrence Ferguson, probably and a few other youngster. And you start to rebuild there. 
while giving it a shot. Or in the summer of 2020, the Lakers, who had a terrible season, call you and give you, give you uh, like better assets. Or the Clippers, I don't know. Or another team like the Heat give you a lot of picks in the future because their season was a mess. You paid two, three first on the for Beal because you had them. And then you have a more draft capital. So it's about paying the right price. So if Washington asks you all your good picks, like five picks, of course, you, you put the phone down. But say it is two for Sounder and Terrence Ferguson. You think, well, maybe. Like, maybe I will get more while having Brady Beal here. So it's, it's always tricky to, to, to say, like, I mean, they, they, will, they, they need to rebuild. Like, they need to be bad. I don't know. They weren't bad this season, and they got a huge draft capital because they were good. But things work out in a weird way in the summer. Next year will be an atrocious year in terms of talent in free agency. And you don't know what a team could offer for a guy like CP3, like a sign and trade for Gallo, or Bradley Beal, or another one of your rookies. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Like The point is trying to read the market in advance and trying to make the right choice, which is not always like let's let's do what what other teams did, just be bad and and try to 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 see if in the draft you can get a good player. Having Ferguson and Shea playing the butts off in the playoffs and being great and put confidence in them may transform them as a player. They have talent. All the NBA players have huge talent. You remember the first season of Russell Westbrook? Would you say back then that he would be like an MVP of the league? 36 point, 32 points per game? No. No, I would have laughed at not. you. Yeah. No, clearly not. In, second, in season two, eh, a bit more. But like things change in the NBA if you develop your guys in, in a good way. Think of San Antonio. Like Duncan was Duncan, but all the other guys were drafted... In, a, in different spots, like not so high. And they developed them in, the good, in a good way. Yeah. And the good way me- meant winning, trying not to bottom out on purpose. Yeah, finals MVP, Tony Parker, drafted in the 20s. Exactly. So I'm not saying that Shea will be your next MVP. I'm not saying that. But you don't know yet. And yeah, playing for nothing, know. it's dangerous. It's extremely dangerous to play for nothing. It's yeah. better not to play. It's better if you say to Shea, well, you're bottoming out, but you are hurt and you don't play this season and you will play. I'm exaggerating, of course. But to play in a, in a losing environment can change you. Look at Booker and Towns, the player you mentioned. Yeah. They don't have, they don't have it right now. They are good, but they don't have it. Mm-hmm. They don't have the thing like... And maybe they will in the future. Maybe they will be better. But playing for a team that is trying actively to be good and counts on you to be good, it's it's completely different, in my opinion. You you can't go, you know, three four years of winning, you know, in the twenties or lower, and there not be some sort of wreckage behind you. I mean, look at yeah. this, like the Sixers. Like everybody wants to put at the Sixers. The league got their GM fired. The league did. Yeah. The league said, we can't do this anymore. You can't continue yeah. to do this. And so. Yeah. And they wasted 
huge amount of draft talent. Tons. They made bad. They yeah. they got Embiid and they got Ben Simmons, but the other they drafted Nerlens Noel high. Like we we've seen him. Like he's like nice player, but that's not it's not a guy you're going to build your franchise around. Uh, they drafted Jalil Okafor. They traded away their their pick and a future pick that ended up being a nice nice pick um, to get Markel Fultz. I mean, yeah, like it's not perfect. And there are they good? Yes, but in large part they're good now because of trades that they made afterwards and yeah. going for it. And the Thunder will be put themselves in a position. I think that if you get one or two guys that you say, yes, we can build our team around these guys. Sam Presti is is a good asset manager, and I think that he's a guy that could go and make trades for guys that can help you. And yeah, um, yeah I agree. Uh, but I do think that instead of like – and maybe Bradley Beal is one of those guys because he is still young. Like he's – He's like, 26. Yeah. So no, not, 25. Yeah. So it's not we're not talking about an old guy, but I still think that they would prefer to build around guys that are closer to Darius Baisley's age um, than Stephen Adams' age. So, but I but we'll see. And that's another guy that's interesting is Darius Baisley. And Sam mentioned him. I don't think we talked about it on Friday, but Sam mentioned him that like to get a guy that's that big that can handle the ball and has a feel for the game like that. He said it was just too enticing to pass up. And I think that he is probably not a guy that contributes a lot this year. But, again, we don't know that. Uh, But I think in the future he's a guy that is going to be an NBA rotation player at least because it's difficult to be a guy that has the instincts that he has and not not get on the court in the NBA. Yeah. I mean – Two years ago, we were sure that Terrence Ferguson would have spent like half of the season or the full season in the G League, and he did not. Right. He scored 26 in LA and was awfully bad all the other games. So, yeah. I mean, but he played with the with the with the regular team, so you right. don't know about Basley. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, McKelly, we'll let you go. McKelly's on vacation. Uh, we'll let you get back to your not family. Not today. How not... dare you? I have a meeting in five minutes. Oh, you do. Yes. yes. Oh, you're on vacation have... in 11 days. No, 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 no. I will be in vacation in 11 days. So oh, stay 11. Okay. Tomorrow it will be 10. It's a countdown. I was confused because when... <laughs> we're recording at a time that we haven't been able to record. Okay. Uh, McKelly's yeah, not yeah, on vacation. I don't have, I don't have the, the meeting, the lunch meeting. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, McKelly... Michaela gets to uh, gets to go to work, and I do too. <laughs> after this, Michaela, um, thanks for coming on the show. Follow Michaela on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Uh, leave us a five star iTunes review; it means a lot to us. We have a lot of new listeners. If you've been listening for a few weeks, you like the show, click on the Purple Podcast app, search down to Dunk, leave us a five star review. That would be super super great. Uh, a quick update on my neighbor Ava. She's doing well. She's uh, still in the hospital. She's going to be in the hospital for another few weeks. Um, but she is doing well after the bone marrow transplant. And um, just continue to pray for her and for her family. 
throughout this process. Uh, go to PeytonMarie.com, at PeytonMarie on Instagram as well to view the photos and then decide that that is the photographer that you want for your wedding. Uh, or if you have a sibling or a friend that's getting married, send them the link because this is this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to capture your wedding. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. 